Hello, and thanks for joining us for the Education Doctor Radio Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Ellis. The Education Doctor Radio Show is your family source for educational excellence. Our program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, where I'm the principal consultant, and our mantra is Access, Thrive, Graduate. You can learn more about our firm at www.compasseducationstrategies.com. Thanks to all of our listeners who are joining today. <laughs> Got to get the word out right. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this program. And if you're listening to a podcast of this program, we also want to thank you as well for joining in. For future show updates and ongoing relevant education news, you can join our Facebook page by searching for The Education Doctor, then clicking like. You can also find us on Twitter at The Education Doc. We have been talking athletics for much of this month. Uh, we have introduced this month's programs with the primer on student athletes. We discussed athletic recruiting in golf, competitive soccer, hockey, and figure skating. We had also planned a show on baseball, which was to be broadcast today. And our guest, who was a catcher in college and with the Boston Red Sox, had a death in his family this week. And so our condolences go out to Dan Moody and his family. We will reschedule that show in the upcoming weeks. Our show today will focus on deciding which college and best financial aid package. This week is one of the most anxiety-ridden weeks in the entire college application process. April 1st is a typical announcement date, but many colleges and universities release their emails days or sometimes a week or two beforehand. And seniors around the country are on pins and needles as they get the notices to check their admission status online. And when I applied many years ago, the date was April 15th, and we would check the thickness of the envelope to get a read on whether we had been admitted or not. There is no envelope anymore unless you don't open your message or log in after some time has elapsed. Then the college will send you a regular letter. Other than that, there's no envelope. And even if you wait for the letter in the mail, once you start hearing about where your classmates got in or not, it is awfully hard to resist knowing your own status immediately. And, of course, I'm on pins and needles waiting to learn the decision of all the students that I'm working with because I know just how bad some students really want to get into one college or another. And whether or not you thought you would get accepted, there's always this emptiness that comes with a denial letter. And you may feel a bit crestfallen. And then when you do get admitted, what an exhilarating feeling that is. So whether you've been accepted to one college or ten colleges, now is the time that you must sit down and think, think through where you want to be next fall and how you want to spend the next year or the next four years of your life. So we're going to walk you through three important steps to take as you consider which college will be best for you to attend. And that best fit will be academically, socially, and financially. So joining me on the discussion today is Kimberly Davis, 
of Kimberly Davis Educational Consultant in Charlotte, North Carolina. I invited Kim on today because she has had many years of experience in college consulting and has been through this decision-making process many times over with the families that she services. And what's so amazing about this is that every family situation is different, and the selection of colleges for any given student may be vastly different. So many of Kim's clients are based in North Carolina, some in California, New Hampshire, New York, and Florida, and many of my clients are based in Ohio, California, Illinois, and New York. So we have a little bit of overlap, but in some cases not. We're talking about very varied, unique experiences for the families that we're working with, and they're all focused on the singular process of how do you decide which college. Before we get started, I want to make sure that our listeners have our contact information just in case. I know I have quite a few listeners live, and they're often shy about calling in, but I'll give the number anyway. The call-in number is 714-333-3356, and this is where I always like to say that our switchboard is located in sunny Southern California, but I'm broadcasting live from Dayton, Ohio. Now, in addition to our call-in number, which is 714-333-3356, you may also email us at radio at CompassEducationStrategies.com. I'll take a short break right here and come back with Ms. Kimberly Davis to discuss the steps for how to decide which college. This is the Education Doctor Radio Show brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, and I'm back now to talk with Kimberly Davis of Kimberly Davis Educational Consulting in Charlotte, North Carolina. Kimberly, or Kim, I should say, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me on the Education Doctor Radio Show. Are you there? I am. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, great. It's so great to have you on. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule um, to dis- discuss this really important event that's vexing a lot of families with high school seniors right now. And so it's good yes. to have you on to talk about it because I know you have a lot of experiences to share. <laughs> well, thanks. I have a lot of students still waiting for for some some notices, so it's it's really something a hectic weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that's got to be really nerve wracking because they're hearing about all of their friends who've learned where they've gotten accepted to, but they're still waiting. Well, it 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 always turns out that they hear from you know what they call their safety schools first. And yeah. but, you know, but their first and second choices, it's always it's always the last places they hear from. So yeah. they stay they stay pretty nervous. Yeah, I noticed that pattern too, and I hadn't thought about it that way. But that's that's good you pointed it out like that. So we have three important steps in the process that families should weigh pretty carefully in terms of thinking about this. And I always use the term families because I think it's a matter of parents and students together uh, really thinking through what to do. And so the first step that I like to start with is just assessing where you were before you applied. 
And usually when I'm meeting with my families after they know their decisions, I like to revisit some of the initial questions that I address with my students at the beginning of senior year, like why do you want to go to college or why this particular college and what are some of the things that matter to you in terms of a college. And just reviewing these answers together, students are often surprised sometimes at their responses from some months ago. And it really just helps them with having a frame of reference for removing some of the emotion around deciding on a college. And so, Kim, I don't know if you do something similar in terms of helping students um, think back a little bit before they get started, but I've certainly found that, you know, students are surprised and it really just uh, helps them to step back for a moment in terms of thinking just what is it that I want because depending on what your letters say, you can feel pretty emotional about what you want to do next and it's hard to think clearly. Go ahead. Now, I, th I think that's a, fa that's a fabulous idea to, to go back to their initial comments about what they were looking for because colleges are very good at marketing and they know how to appeal to students. So there's there's a certain way that students can, can get whipped up into, you know, whatever that school is selling and forget the things that they, they really want and need in a college. You know, even if they never planned on wanting internships, um, exactly. you know, they can go to a school, they finally hear about internships and think, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and, and it changes the flavor. But at the same time, yeah. they get whipped up with that idea and they forget that they want, you know, a certain program. But, you know, the school has been sending them so much mail, how can they turn that down, you know? Exactly. And, yes, those view books are pretty gorgeous. They really are. Yeah. <laughs> and you notice the ones from, like, Syracuse have no snow in them. Oh, so really? It's a spring day. <laughs> yeah. I have to get one of those. That sounds really nice. <laughs> And so the first step, then, I want to recap is looking back on just where you were at the beginning of this process and really thinking through what your goals are, what it is you want out of your college experience, and then starting to think about what it is that you have in front of you in terms of the schools where you've been accepted. And so that's what the second step of the process is, is accept, assessing just where you are currently. And I know, Kim, you have quite a few, you know, thoughts about that. And so I'd love for you to jump in to, you know, say more about that in terms of, you know, some ideas around how students can assess where they are currently with the schools where they've been accepted. Well, just in terms of in terms of socially, um, I really think that that students need to visit the school in a way that isn't packaged. Um, so go back and revisit the school, but don't do the tour this time. Don't do the information session um, where they're telling you what you want to hear. Instead, I think it's great to go into the dining halls. You know, tip, don't go during breakfast because nobody goes to breakfast, but during lunch or dinner. Go into the dining halls of the student union and look around and see, mm -hmm. you know, do you fit in with these students? Are you comfortable with them? Because if you're mm -hmm. comfortable, 
in that environment, then you're going to explore more and you're going to feel good about trying new things. This is like your last great chance to try, Mm -hmm. you know, new things before you have to start working and you have a mortgage payment. You know, this is it. So you want to make sure that you fit there socially. Yeah, I, that's a good one. That's a really good one because I often think about that on the first-time visits as well that, you know, students should get a little bit off the beaten track as opposed to just only being with the group because sometimes everything looks great <laughs> when you're with the group and oh, hearing yeah. all that's being said. But just wandering off, maybe asking a different random student, you know, how do you like going to school here? And so that can certainly, you know, give them a good sense of what's really the case at that school and how they may fit in. Now, I think I think you're very right. Just from from personal experience, when I was looking at schools, I literally just walked into a dorm and started mm-hmm. talking to some of the students, and I think that really gave me the best perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of telling you about how old the buildings are on the tour, um, yeah. you know, it's really about what their experience is there. Because um, there's no other way to see that just going through the admissions office. You know, they try to be accurate, but um, but it's really important to talk to students who are there, whether you know them or not. Um, yeah. You know, and some of them are going to be discontented at various times, and, and mm-hmm. that in mind. But just overall, um, I think it is important, like you said, to get off the beaten path a little. Right. And the other thing, too, I would add to that, just in terms of you mentioned about, you know, the social aspect of it, and I would add on the academic side of it, going in to sit in on some classes or maybe following up uh, the professor uh, that you had met before and really seeing how they respond to you because so much uh, you can learn so much just from how um, the communication is handled with you after you've been accepted because certainly if it doesn't feel right in any way or your instincts tell you that, you know, something just isn't right about a particular conversation or something that was said, then you know that perhaps you need to act and act on that instinct and maybe say no to that particular place. But I highly, you know, recommend to students really going in to visit some of the classes and understanding a little more about the curriculum because maybe if you knew in the fall that you're really the kind of person that wants to have a particular structure in your curriculum and this school doesn't have grades and doesn't have any required courses, that that might not be the best fit, you know, even if it is the school that you thought, wow, I didn't even believe I would get in. <laughs> um, if it's not a fit on that front, you know, that certainly would not work either. And so the financial piece that we talked about, Kim, you want to say a little bit about that in terms of, you know, just the financial fit and assessing what your packages sure. are? Sure. I, I'm i always a bit surprised that families don't have the discussion about affordability before their students apply. Um, so if you haven't had that discussion with the parents and with the student looking at these financial aid letters, you know, now now's the time. Because mm-hmm. you know, so many families may not qualify for financial aid, but they may also not be able to afford $40,000 a year. Um, you know, so that's a time to look at what the options are, what is the total cost. Um, but, you know, if there is financial aid and you're trying to compare packages, you know, I, one of the most important things, a um, couple of the most important things to look at will be how indebted 
is the student going to be at the end? How many staff or loans yeah. are they expected to take out? And what's mm-hmm. that, what is that payment going to look like when they graduate? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and another piece is, is to look at the grants or scholarships the school has offered and make sure that they're renewable and it's not just a one-time thing. Exactly. Are, are you going to have that, that money the following year? Because the last thing you want to do is go to a college thinking that you can pay for it um, and that you have enough financial aid only to find out that sophomore year you don't have those resources anymore. Um, right. So it, it's best to check, is this renewable? What do I have to do to have it renewed? Do I need to keep up a certain GPA? Um, you know, is that going to be realistic for you? Mm-hmm. So those are the main things I, I look at with the financial aid packages. And I also, you know, start looking at the different components because they're all packaged differently. And some schools are going to yeah. have larger grants. Some are going to have more loans, work study. You know, so how much are you actually going to have to pay when you add in books and travel expenses? Um, exactly. Yeah, so it's they, really they looking can... at that bottom line in terms of what mm-hmm. is this going to be, the net of it, the net effect. So, yeah. You know, the other thing that I was going to add when you were talking about that is um, sometimes if students um, do qualify for some aid and they have a work study, I think it's really important to think about um, how realistic is it that you can work and go to school. Some students can manage that pretty well, sometimes not, particularly in the first semester or two when you're in college. It may be hard to balance the new academic rigor in addition to working and the social outlets that you'll have and all the other um, activities. And so I really, you know, caution students about thinking about that work-study piece because it really makes a big difference. Um, You have to uh, assess whether or not you'll be able to make that time each week to work in addition to your studies. Kim, I am going to take a a quick break right here just to catch my breath, and then we will talk about the third step as soon as we come back. So this is the Education Doctor Radio Show. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is the Education Doctor Radio Show, and I am back now with Kim Davis of Kimberly Davis Educational Consulting in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're discussing how to decide which college and best financial aid package. When we were talking before the break, we mentioned two important steps in this process. One of them, the first one, was assessing where you were at the beginning of this process, so really restating what your goals are. And then secondly, it was um, really assessing where you are currently, so how to evaluate and compare the packages and colleges that you have. Before we get into the third step, Kim, I wanted to just um, take a question, an email question that we have from Andrea in Atlanta, and perhaps we can help her brainstorm a little bit. Uh, in response to this question, she writes, I didn't get into any of the colleges where I really wanted to go. I applied to a couple of schools just in case. I got into one of them, and I'm waiting to hear back on the second one. Should I go to where I've been accepted or wait? You know, that's that's a really tricky question. Um, mm-hmm. On the one hand, I find that students, when they get into those backup schools, if they do go, 
in most cases they end up loving it and end up staying. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not just a bad thing. Hopefully, when you when you pick those schools to apply to, Andrew, you 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 know pick places that you could in fact imagine yourself. Um, you know, the other option is that that sometimes you can go to a school for a year or for two years and then and then transfer. Um, again, I warn you, a lot of my students end up staying, but but that's certainly an option. And and a third option is is to take a year. Um, and and reapply, and during that year maybe have a job, do a lot of volunteer work, do some sort of gap mm-hmm. year program. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of options. Okay. Well, you know, you just actually covered our third step in the process almost, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a great answer uh, for Andrea. And so, Andrea, I hope that this response um, helps you in thinking about what you want to do. Um, the third step in the process is assessing where you want to be in one year, three years, or five years from now. And I know for you, Kim, you have some thoughts around that five-year mark in terms of students really thinking about that in terms of where they want to be college-wise. What were I do. some of your reflections on that? Uh-huh. I actually, during the process of, of choosing colleges to which they're going to apply, I always ask my students to think about who they want to be five years from now. You know, mm-hmm. once they've gone through this process and they've ended up at some college, um, you know, who, who's the person that they want to mm-hmm. see coming out of that? Because college is such a transformative experience. Um, and it yes. can really define who you are because you spend four very intense years with other students, you know, learning stuff planning your future, um, you know, so sometimes, and, and students, when they're applying to college as seniors, have often been with the same group of students living in the same town for their entire life, and so there's, mm-hmm. this is their chance, in a way, to kind of say, oh, I have the space now to really be myself and not who everyone mm-hmm. has thought I've been, you know, right, based on who right. I was in fourth grade. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so it's, a chance, it's a really a chance for them to... to to blossom in in some ways and really explore new things. And that's the kind of thing I want them to think about. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, is this the school that's going to help you be that person you imagine you want to be? Yes. And the other thing that I think um, you said well in terms of mentioning was just the postgraduate year. I think a lot of students really don't think about that in terms of what they could actually do the following year after senior year, before even going. And so with some colleges, if they have gotten into a college that they like, maybe they don't. They want to mature more or do something totally different that they haven't tried before they, you know, start paying for college. And that is where a postgraduate year could come in or gap year as we describe it today. Kim, remember when we were on the boarding school tour a few weeks ago, there were a number of programs there that mentioned that they have postgraduate experiences. And that can be a wonderful opportunity for students to mature, to explore, maybe study abroad for a year, and really have some time to think through what their plan is for college. And if they didn't get into a college where they wanted to attend, they could also go um, do a postgraduate year and then reapply during that um, 
postgraduate year. And so I think that I'm glad that you brought that up as an option for students because oftentimes I think a lot of students do not consider that as an option because they're so excited about the prospect of college that anything else after senior year is unfathomable. (laughs) (laughs) I think think you're true on, on how they imagine it. But I also... You know, there's so many options to look at for a year mm-hmm. that's, that's not high school and not college. Um, yeah. And, you know, like I said, postgraduate years, sometimes that's really great for athletes who maybe aren't playing on the level they need to play to mm. to get into a college as a recruit Yeah. Um, or, or to strengthen their academic record. If it's a little weak and they want to apply to a place a little more selective, colleges love for students to take these years um, as long as yeah. they're doing something substantive you know, whether it's yeah. working or volunteer work or, or an actual academic year, like a postgraduate year. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, colleges love that, and it makes you such a stronger applicant and makes you so much more ready to do the work Exactly. It does. And it's interesting that you mentioned about the college perspective on it because I know that Princeton last year instituted a gap year into its program, and so students who are accepted – will do a gap year and then attend the following year as a freshman at Princeton. And they have the programs pretty much set up, I think, in most cases for them. But that was uh, something that they had been moving towards for many years, at least over the last 20 years. I have noticed that they've been pushing more towards students being a little bit more mature when they come and having that additional year. So certainly colleges sometimes may look at it favorably, and so it may make sense to use that year and apply again. So definitely. So we are actually at the end of our show. It went by pretty quickly, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So this wraps up our show for today on how to decide which college and best financial aid package. Kim, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Before we leave, can you tell our listeners how they can stay connected with you as well? Um, The easiest way is probably through my website. It's just daviseducationalconsulting.com, all Mm -hmm. one word. Um, I'm also on Twitter at edu.consult.cep. So I'd love to have people follow me or contact me through my website. That will be great. So thank you again. We have some great shows coming up for you on the Education Doctor radio show. We will continue to bring you information that's both strategic and practical for education success. The Education Doctor radio show is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies. Please listen for how you can join our online community where you can get announcements, show updates, and great information on K-12 education and college admissions. We would love to see you there.